Broadcasting to you live from the great state in the Badlands of Texas. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. You're listening to Midnight Radio. We're broadcasting to you all the way from southern Australia to the tip of the world in Northern Ireland. Hello, friends. I'm so glad you could join me today. My ass is still on fire a little bit from all the roasting I've gotten from the last show we had last night. You guys didn't want any humor in your lives, I guess. Fruit Loop Friday. Maybe we're going to have to suspend those for a while. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying to recover. Oh, my goodness. You know what happened to me last night after the Fruit Loops? After the Fruit Loops hit the fan last night. I think there was also YouTube glitches going on because I'm getting some weird numbers. We had like 12 people watching and 300 thumbs up. What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on, people? Do you know what happened to me? Yeah, I put that back on. Yeah, I put it back on. The people that were complaining about it don't watch the show anymore. And I like it. By golly, gumdrops. How's everybody doing on this Saturday? Let me tell you about what happened to me last night. It involves my toilet. Don't worry. My son decided he was going to take, you know, the the flushable wipes, right? I said a roll of toilet paper. It's the flushable wipes, you know, the the ones that give you that, that clean and crisp feeling. Well, my son had those in his bathroom. He's five years old. All right, he has his own bathroom. I don't know why I'm having so many issues with five-year-olds lately. I got told off on air last night by one, and I had one blow up my toilet. So for some reason, he last night he decides to come in here in my studio. He turns a bunch of weird little lights on, and he takes, what did he, he took my, my little sticky notes I have here to remind me of things. He took them and just, started shredding him and threw him all over the place. He sits down on my chair, spins it around, puts his feet up, turns a bunch of lights on. He goes in the bathroom, and he takes the whole thing of those wipes, a whole thing, and just put the whole thing in the toilet. Didn't use the toilet, just decided to make them float. My wife deals with this all the time. She got to the point where she's tired of fishing for toilet trout. So she's like, screw it, I'm going to flush him. You know, it's my fault, though, because I'm a guy. And I think that if she's with him and she's spent time around him before, maybe she's gone through this before. So, you know, we have some kind of toilet emergency. She's the first one I call. Hey, babe. Hey, he tried to flush a saddle. Two boots are in there swirling around. Yeah, you know, you've done the, he's got two pillows from the couch on there, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I figure she's handled this before. I mean, it wasn't drastic this time. This time it was just, you know, the whole thing of wipes. I mean, these are the kind that you're supposed to be able to flush. Well, I wish I would have took both fists and dug them right into that toilet and grabbed them out threw it in the trash because she had had enough. She's... I've been using my damn plunger for the past... 18 hours trying to get that damn thing free. Good thing I have more than one bathroom. Man, it's horrible. I can't get it free. I, I went to the two different plumbing stores, um, and they have this. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe we can use this. I can get an auger, and I can stick that spring thing in there, and I can twirl it in there, and I can go fishing for the, real this, the big one in, you know. And then I get to use it. I'm like, this thing isn't working at all. It's not going in the hole. And then... Then I'm like, well, shit. By the, 
I go to the next store and I'm like, well, maybe I can use some Drano gel or something. I pour Drano in. So there's, it's not, it's just the wipes that are stuck in there, right? So I pour that in there and hell, that doesn't work. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. Then I go, I go out for the turd thruster 3000. You know what I'm talking about? The thing that's like an accordion that's like this. So I tried that and I'll get back to you on that after the show because I had to do some voiceovers for something else. All right, everybody. Today I want to talk about the Idaho four. There's some clips I didn't get to play last night. There's a lot of controversy surrounding certain issues and certain people, you know, and it took me a long time to make that thumbnail with Brian Enton's O face. So I want to share this information with you today. Let's go ahead and kick this off. I'll kick it off from the top of where we were yesterday. So here we go. Here's 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 the one I was I was gonna play yesterday. I'm gonna play that again right here. And we'll talk about it on the flip side. And let me tell you, um, it certainly does give a little bit more perspective as to why she didn't call 911 right away, perhaps. <clears throat> We're told that Dylan actually mistook the noises that she'd been hearing. Remember, the affidavit said that around 4 a.m., she could hear some noises up on the third floor, thought it was maybe, uh, you know, a Kaylee um, playing with the dog Murphy, um, didn't think a lot more than that. But ultimately, a few moments later, she heard a lot of noises. She opened her door and effectively kind of yelled yelled out to her roommates, calm down, like cut it out, keep it down. You guys are being loud. I'm trying to sleep. It's late. Thinking that there were roommates horsing around, that perhaps all that noise that she was hearing was just them, you know, being boisterous and still in party mode. It was late, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. So she then closed her door and went back to bed, but within minutes, perhaps sort of roused again by noise, um, opens the door again was going to say something again to the effect of keep it down already it's the middle of the night and that's when she sees the figure coming towards her now this has been a big bone of contention for a lot of people why if you saw some shadowy terrifying figure walking towards you would you just close your door and go back to bed and not call the police and the characterization to the source who spoke directly with her after the murders is that she didn't think that that figure was anything other than just part of the horsing around, maybe one of the partiers, maybe somebody who was a friend of one of the other roommates that was making all the noise. But it, you know, startled her nonetheless to see a man in the middle of the night, dark, walking towards her. Thank you for watching. Go to newsnationnow.com to find news. Such a disappointing clip, really, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding Banfield right now. And let me let me show you what some of that is. This is from on your desktop here this is from her let me read this for you a lot of people have been jumping on her lately and i can't open my discord because people are calling me on it right now and i don't want to take any phone calls until i get through my material but she's putting a lot of stuff out she's being accused of many things she's not clarifying i'm not saying she's doesn't have the right to protect him, but she's not clarifying where sources are coming from. Many people are accusing her of getting it off the Facebook group and not giving credit. Well, she answered that today. She said, a few corrections to your post 
Where did you get the idea that profanity was used? No one but you has ever mentioned that. Did you just make that up? Wow, that's so irresponsible to your followers. No one ever suggested she wasn't frozen in fear. The reporting I had on air last night came from a source who spoke with Dylan directly just after the murders. This is a description from Dylan herself to this source. Not sure why you're so convinced you know otherwise. Have you spoken with Dylan? And where on earth did you hear that? The party was too loud? Again, it sounds like you're making things up to juice your feed. Either that or you're remarkably careless in how you convey things. Dylan told our source she thought her roommates were horsing around and and being too loud, and she wanted to sleep, and that's why she opened her door. Let me clip to the next one. She opened her door to call it to them to keep it down. Again, if you've, there's all caps, you've spoken to Dylan, I'm sure people would be interested to hear what you had to say. Otherwise, it's remarkable how hypocritical you are of reporting when your accounting is so incredibly sloppy and wrong. As for my source, you don't come better than this one. Ooh, I highly Advise you don't watch the show tonight. Sounds like you're not up for what our sources are telling us. Certainly don't want to trigger you into spouting off again and releasing your vitriol on Facebook. Facebook, the happiest place on earth. And for the rest of your commentators, are you guys seeing all this? No, you're not. What just happened? All right, let me go back. Was that the good part? As for the and for the rest of your commentators who suggest I get my reporting from YouTube, give me a break. Pro tip: tune your pious ears to the actual report next time, and listen before you spout off. Listen, da, 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 da. with your knee-jerk assessments, we had no fewer than four. Sources on the termination letter last night, two of them from WSU, had you paid attention, actual attention, you'd have heard that. Good enough for you? Dear Jesus, this kind of post and comment stream above gives the internet crime community a bad name. Get a conscience, and while you're at it, brush up on your manners. Yeah, it was verified to actually be Ashley Banfield, too. Oh, here's a good one. Ashley Banfield says, well, then, I definitely wouldn't watch tonight, Janelle. Definitely, you shouldn't be part of the group watching what we're breaking tonight. Wouldn't want you to be staring at your own ass for too long, Janelle. I cannot imagine how unpleasant that would be for you. Ashley talking about, Ashley talking about staring at asses. I don't know what that means. Is she saying that? Ashley Banfield looks like her ass. My ass looks better than Ashley Banfield. My ass gives out better information than Ashley. Is that what she said? That sounds like she's saying that's what she said. And if she's saying that that's what she said, then that must be what somebody said. All right, let's kick out this from Dan Abram. Uh, again, I need some information from... Uh, no, that's all right. Let's just watch this. A new theory surfaced this week in the case of the Idaho student murders that I find incredibly interesting. It's about probably the single most important piece of evidence in the case. 
a knife sheath discovered at the crime scene, which allegedly has suspect Brian Koberger's DNA on it. The theory is one I, I just hadn't even considered that might have been intentionally left there by Koberger to throw off investigators. The knife sheath looked like this, both with USMC imprinted on it, along with the U.S. Marine Corps Eagle Globe and Anchor Insignia. This is a crazy this theory, theory here. comes from a number of people, but most recently from criminal profiler John Kelly. And it goes like this. That Koberger left the sheath on purpose, and that what? the military references were no accident, that they were a ploy to send investigators on a hunt for someone else, someone in the military perhaps, someone other than Koberger. To further this claim, Kelly calls this staging 101, perhaps a ruse learned from Koberger's doctoral studies in criminal justice. Kelly claims a, a normal reaction for someone who had just used a knife would be to return it to its sheath. And the DNA found may have just been an oversight. It's a theory also suggested by British criminology professor David Wilson. That seems to be a remarkably clumsy move. Or a remarkably clever move, because one of the things that's really struck me about the person that's been arrested and accused of this is he, he is intelligent and high-functioning. So would a or highly skilled, intelligent um, student who was teaching criminology, a PhD student, have made such a basic yeah, error? Well, look, the guy was clearly not the brightest criminal. We know that. But according to the criminal affidavit, the tan leather knife sheath was discovered laying on the bed next to Madison Mojum's right side. The Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA left on the button snap. The knife itself is missing. And with Koberger said to be an obsessive compulsive with other things like food, one imagines cleanliness in general, it's likely he hid the knife somewhere else after committing the murders someplace where the blood wouldn't contaminate his clothes. They linked the knife to Koberger through the DNA recovered from trash at his family's home in Pennsylvania. So let's talk this through with Jesse Weber, anchor and host on the Law and Crime Network, who has been closely following the story. Jesse, what do you make of the theory? I think it makes no sense. Go all on. due respect, no sense, and I'll explain why. First of all, this K-Bar USMC knife, I can go on Amazon right now, I can go on kbar.com right now, I can buy it. This is not something that is exclusive to the military, and without any other evidence left there pointing to a member of the military, it makes no sense that he would think, or whoever the suspect is, that the police would immediately think military. And top of all this, the biggest point, I'm going to take the risk of leaving a piece of evidence that might have my DNA on it, and we all saw that it possibly does, with the idea of maybe the police are going to look at somebody else. It makes absolutely no sense. And if this really was the motivation, one of the dumbest things I've ever thought. Well, yeah, and, and we know that he made other you know, mistakes. But the, the argument goes that he thought he had cleaned the sheath. He thought he had sort of left a pristine piece of evidence, but he missed the sort of the snap. Right? He missed that one spot where his DNA was located. It, it, no. Uh, what this seems to me is any case I've covered where someone has left evidence at a crime scene, it's a, it's a slip-up. It's a mistake. So people might say, oh, he's so intelligent. You know, how did he not plan for this? 
If we have no indication Brian Koberger ever did anything like this before, when someone is in the heat of a crime, they're not thinking logically. They could have been in a panic. They could have been afraid. We know that one of the surviving roommates said that he, the suspect walked right past her. A lot of people have been wondering why. If you are in a state of shock after committing this crime, you can't explain everything why they do something or not do something. And, and to, to support your point. What the hell is the point? So you put out this... Far us there, you dug it from the your undermost nether regions, deep dark where the sun hasn't shown since inception. You ask this man to explain it to you, and he says it's bullcrap. What the hell kind of story do you have here? Anybody could have said anything. We could be talking about alien abductions and any I mean anything that Abraham Lincoln is the one that shot JF Kennedy. I mean, from a time machine. And then you could bring an expert on here. Well, the people that say that are absolutely wrong. It couldn't have possibly happened. What the hell kind of show did you just do, man? Good Lord. I'm just saying, let's, let's continue here. Which is pretty persuasive. I'm really getting tired of people talking about how smart this guy is, yeah. right? As if he was like the ultimate. You don't give a damn. You're the one that did the show. You did this show talking about how smart he is. You put that out here. Criminal mastermind who would never have. I mean, he made so many mistakes and so many slip ups. This idea that, oh, you know, no way he would ever, right? I mean, they're giving him too much credit. And can we also just address the idea of, well, he's a criminology student, right? right? So I've taken criminology before. I've spoken to criminologists about this. They don't teach you how to commit the perfect crime. They teach you how to understand why crimes are committed. <laughs> Jesse Weber. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Because uh, he would have if he could have. All right, guys. Let me go ahead and go. I have a, I have a voicemail. If you guys want to throw me a voicemail, I'll play it today. I'm not going to open up the phone lines, though. But I'll play the voicemails. All right, let's see what we got. First one. Let me take that one step further, and I'm going to just be full disclosure here. I am a complete idiot. 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 Hashtag Shamfield. Oh, man, there's a campaign against, almost called her Shamfield. It works. By golly, it works. Holy moly. All right, if you guys want to put in a um, voicemail, the number is 325-261-0892. If you have some more information here about the Ahado 4, somebody sent me the Af the new, holy moly, how do you say this, the new gag orders and the material relating to the gag orders, but Microsoft will let me open it. So if you guys have a story on that, you can email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. And I will play that. If you don't send it to me pretty soon, I won't have time to play it. But I'm going to move on here. There's a lot more relating to the Ashley Banfield it's not a scenario. It's it's a saga. It's her fighting against Facebook, which is a place I won't step foot on, and she is fighting against these. That they talk about each other all night. She's talking about not the true crime, the s s cyber sleuths. Apparently, they're going to war against each other. It's really interesting. 
you should almost do a play by play. And somebody, some of you guys in chat were talking about talking about her, uh, saying that she. Uh, we're talking about her theory. Talking about the theory that she just had there about Dylan opening the door because she thought there's a party going. This was the original theory that everybody had. This is the only damn thing that makes sense. And they're presenting it like it's new. Well, yes. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, and that makes completely uh, complete sense. Why they wouldn't put that on the affidavit, I don't know. And uh, all she saw was his eyebrows. She said he was wearing... Some kind of face mask. I don't know. I don't know. But this isn't a new theory. Then we have the theory about him being a mastermind. Hell, this isn't new. They literally are getting this this stuff from the from the lo, from. My, I wish they grab it from my toilet. Then my toilet wouldn't be plugged up anymore. This is where they're getting. It. They're getting it from the lowest nether regions of YouTube. God knows. I know. I've been there too. Hey, now. All right. Here we go. This is a breaking news story. Breaking story. Unfortunately, it's not about Idaho 4, but it is about little green men, possibly, or Chinese men. Now to a developing story this morning. An unidentified flying object shot down by the U.S. over Alaska. This, of course, follows the downing of that Chinese spy balloon last weekend. CBS 2's Bradley Blackburn live in our newsroom with the latest on this. Bradley? Andrea, before it was shot down... This is a breaking story. Guys, I have some more information after this report. Down pilots were able to get close enough to that. I fully expect Ashley to steal it from me and run with it on tonight's broadcast. An unknown object to see that it was unmanned and drifting in the wind. But there is still a lot of mystery here. And right now, like crews are working to pick up the pieces and get some answers. President Biden ordered the takedown that was executed by an F-22 fighter jet Friday afternoon. The unknown object was spotted off the coast of Alaska Thursday night at 40,000 feet in the air and floating northeast. The White House says the object was about the size of a small car, unmanned and flying low enough to interfere with commercial planes. They say that oh was my. a key reason for the swift action. It posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. The strike happened over frozen Arctic waters within U.S. territory, and military aircraft were deployed to recover the remnants. Officials say it's still unclear who was responsible. But whether it's state-owned or, or, or corporate-owned or privately-owned, we just don't know. We will know more uh, once we're able to potentially recover some of those materials. The White House says this latest object was smaller and less mobile the than one. the Chinese spy balloon, which could maneuver in the air. Pieces of that balloon were recovered off the South Carolina coast and are still people. being investigated. But the U.S. has now blacklisted six Chinese companies connected to it. How convenient. Has not reached out to China yet about this object, but former Defense Secretary Mark Esper tells CBS News if it is in fact Chinese, it would be a very troubling escalation, Andrea. Bradley Blackburn live in our newsroom. Bradley, thank you. All right, I got some breaking news right now. We got some satellite footage of what was shot down, breaking right now. You, heard, you saw it here first on Midnight Radio, everybody.
You also see spaghetti. Brought to you by Mom Spaghetti. There it is. That's what they shot down. All right, continuing here. Did you hear about this? All right, everyone, welcome back here on Live Now from Fox. Unfortunately, we have learned the death toll from Monday morning's earthquake in Turkey and Syria is now up to 25,000 and only expected to rise from here. You are looking at a live image out of Turkey. That is where those recovery efforts are still underway. Some good news, though, we did learn that a family of five was actually recently pulled from the rubble five days after that earthquake. They were living in the collapsed, uh, basically, remains of their home, but they were pulled to safety, and all of them are believed to be okay. So there are these miraculous stories that are coming out of that area. So I do actually want to take you to the latest report from Fox's Greg Palcott. He has been out there bringing us updates on the situation. Here is his latest report. Nearly five days since the earthquake struck, the region reeling on several fronts. The grim death toll mounts now around 25,000. 12,000 buildings have been destroyed or damaged, leaving hundreds of thousands without homes, power, heat. Feeling the political heat, Turkish President Erdogan in the quake zone again, admitting his government has faltered. Unfortunately, it is a fact that we have not been able to respond as fast as we hoped. Despite some aid now finally reaching northern Syria, residents there, battered by years of war, are struggling to survive. Syrian President Assad also in the region. hoping for another miracle? Probably. This is the part I want to show you guys. And got some more breaking information. Fox News. News. All right, we've been checking in with Greg, so we'll try to get in touch with this him a bit later on today. A Florida if... couple is among the more than 25,000 people killed in that major earthquake. Alex and Veronica Ilgin lived in Orlando, Florida, and friends say they were with family in Turkey when the earthquake hit. Alex's best friend says the two were found in each other's arms when they were located in the rubble by his brother. Our Fox 35 Orlando team has more on the couple. That's very sad. I just want to leave it at that. There'll be a, there'll be a link. If I feel like it after the show, I'll put the links up under the description of the video. Do you guys check those out? I mean, I, I don't get any feedback on that. So I just wondering there. I have this for you guys. This is breaking, and this is on the wild-ass speculations for sure. Well, hold on. I got to pull it up again. I'm going to do this right. This is some wild ass speculations. Super wild ass. I'm not saying it's real. I'm saying it's probably not. But I'm going to play it here. Because that's what we do. I'll play th- this is Dave. Head of Hi Dave. I'll read the email to you too. Again, this is wild-ass speculations. I'm not saying this is true. I'm not claiming this is true. I'm claiming somebody contacted me, gave, gave me this information, and on the email it said, Jerry, look at this. Dylan was a man, and she slash he is stronger like a man. He looking like a man. I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. Damn it. Don't let me see those comments. Say, Jerry, what are you saying? Like a man. I don't want to see that crap. Well, that's speculation. Warning right here. I'm going to play it because that's what I do. I'm a fruit of this. I need to know. 
Dylan Mortensen, Rookie of the Year Volleyball. What? In Canada? What? Men's Volleyball, Rookie of the Year? I didn't expect the music to be this bumping. All right, we've had our dance break. I got another email here. Let me check that out. What do we got here? It's bumping. It's bumping. Holy moly, I got the affidavits. Thank you, Laura McIlroy. Thank you very much, even though you're what? What all you're, you're like, you got some Chinese, some English, a little bit of Northern Ireland. But you're all awesome. She gave me these right here. Let's look at them together boom here are and you guys might have a new update on this this is from the prosecutor he filed this and what is this for my information that i have this is a petition for him to reject the gonsalves family's attorney trying to have the gag order lifted from them which was unconstitutional this is him saying, no, 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 no. And he had to follow this with the court himself. Let's see what we got here. Let's do a little bit of a deep dive on this, if you will. In the district court of the second judicial district of the state of Idaho in and for the county of Latah. Okay, I'm just going to get to the meat and potatoes of this, even though I'm going to try to look at it deeply. This is saying who it is and when it was. This is February Looks like the 7th day of February. All right. All right, here we go. I'm the lecture prosecutor of Layton and I've served in that position for approximately 30 years. Man, in that role, that is a long time. I'm one of the attorneys representing the state in the above titled matter. The members of the Gonsalves family who are represented by Mrs. Shan, Mr. Sorry, sorry. Let me get my glasses on, guys. I'm going to get my glasses on. Mr. Shannon Gray. Our pe- okay, I'm going to say this again. The members of the Gonsalves family who are represented by Mr. Shannon Gray are potential witnesses in this crime, including at trial and or sentencing. All right, so he's saying that. All right. Go to the next one here. All right. This is uh, from Ann Taylor. All right. This is from Ann Taylor. She objected to the appeal for the Gonsalves family to talk and for the lawyer. Comes now Brian Nothingberger buying through their attorney, Jay Weston. I'm not going to name their names and hereby objects to the motion to appeal amend and or clarify non-dissemination order filed by Shannon Gray as counsel for the Gonsalves family. The objection is made on the grounds that the non-dissemination order properly requires Mr. Gray to abide by the clear requirement of the ethical rules of the state argument. The court's order is not volatile 
is not volative. What the hell kind of English is this? The court's order is not volative of Mr. Gray's First Amendment rights. In his memorandum in support of motion of appeal and or clarification of amended non-dissemination order hereafter memorandum, Mr. Gray contends that because his clients, Gonsalves family, are classified as non-party citizens, application of the court's non-dissemination order to him also constitutes a prior restraint on his right to free speech under the First Amendment. In support of his position, Mr. Gray cites the fair trial and public disclosure provisions of the ABA standard for criminal justice, IRPC 3.6, as well as the precedent established under Shepard versus Maxwell. And it gives the citations. The issue at hand may be summarized as follows. Whether application of a non-dissemination order to an attorney representing the family of an alleged murder victim constitutes an intolerable prior restraint on speech. The First Amendment prohibits laws abridging the freedom of speech, while the Sixth guarantees to the criminal defendant the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. U.S. Constitution Amendment 1 through 4 occasionally in conflict were protected pretrial expression threatens the impartiality of the jury. The United States Supreme Court has determined certain parties' First Amendment rights may be limited when exercise of those rights would result in prejudice to the defendant, noting, with his life at stake, it is not requiring too much that the defendant be tried in an atmosphere undisturbed by so huge a wave of public passion. And that gives the citations. As a means of reducing the appearance of prejudicial material and to protect the jury from outside influence. A trial court may prescribe extrajudicial statements by any lawyer, party, witness, or court official. It may also promulgate an, a regulation with respect to dissemination of information of information about the case. The cure lies in those remedial measures that will prevent the prejudice at its inception. One such measure is at issue here. As a steward, this court is presented with a conf- confrontation between prior restraint imposed to protect one vital constitutional guarantee and the explicit command of another that the freedom to speak shall not be abridged. However, the reg- regulation at issue is as to an attorney who may be subjected to greater limitations than could be imposed on the press at the Supreme Court notice in Shepard. And I'm not going to read that. or what they found. In an attempt to exclude himself from the holdings, Mr. Gray argues that because his clients are not parties to the case and therefore are not subject to the order, he too is a is due an equal measure of defense and exclusion. The weight of authority is contrary to this position. In Idaho State Bar versus Tab, the Idaho Supreme Court made clear that courts must strike a reasonable balance between the right of free speech and the state's legitimate interest in preserving the integrity of the judicial system. In reaching this conclusion, the TAP court relied upon the uh, Gentile decision, which in the court's words, balanced the state's interest in assuring fair trials against free speech interests of attorneys. Thus, the case associated speaker status as a lawyer alters the degree to which their speech is protected. 
The lawyer versus non-lawyer distinction is recognized broadly elsewhere, even in cases where the speaker's attorney claims not to be involved with the case in question. And it cites several different sources. I'm going to go down here. While I am going to do a deep dive, I'm not going to make it tedious. As in Goody, Mr. Gray has special access to information via his clients. Dissemination of information forbidden by the court's order would be deemed authoritative as a result of this access and Mr. Gray's status as an attorney, and therefore would endanger the jury's impartiality. The court's exemption of Mr. Gray's clients from its order effectively answers Mr. Gray's First Amendment concerns, while its continued application to him accounts for his apparent authority and special access to facts. Mr. Gray argues that even if the court may order him not to disseminate information to the press because the court's order mirrors the language of IRPC 3.6, it is vague on his face and as applied to his circumstances. It is in no way vague on its face. Mr. Gray's argument on this point is premised on a faulty understanding and misreading of the gentile holding in the gentilly holding in gentilly or Gentile, however they say it, the Supreme Court expressly stated we are not called upon to determine the constitutionality of ABA Model Rule 3.6, but only Rule 117. As it has been interpreted and implied by the state of Nevada, more of the Supreme Court held no, nothing inherent in Nevada's formulation of, of the trial publicity rule fails First Amendment review, but... As this case demonstrates, Rule 117 has not been interpreted in conformance with those principles by the Nevada Supreme Court. All right, now I'm going to get to the final part. So does it seem like nothing Burger's getting his money's worth or the state's money's worth with this attorney? This is from Ann Taylor. Let's, let's see if she has a final I got you on this. Mr. Gray argues he will not be offering up his own opinion regarding the facts surrounding the case, but rather only serving as his client's spokesperson or conduit to the media and other parties in transmitting the victim's family's thoughts and opinions. Far from mitigating the already tenuous nature of his arguments, the signal of intent again places Mr. Gray at odds with Rule 3.6 in Gentilly. The court has already exempted Mr. Gray's clients from its order, adequately preserving their First Amendment rights. Yes. So for those of you that didn't know, and you've waited to hear it, the Gonsalves family are free to speak again. So they're exempted already. To extend this exemption to Mr. Gray would function solely to grant potential prejudicial statements to the weight recognized as a danger by the Gentilly court on a subject of rule distinguishings as already extremely susceptible to prejudice. If Mr. Gray truly intends only to voice his client's thoughts and opinions in his, then the court's previous exemption has already cured the supposed first amendment informant infirmity. Mr. Gray's clients may voice these thoughts and opinions themselves as they have clearly as they have been clearly doing. The sole effect of maintaining the court's order in present form is a continued operation of a remedial measure 
that prevents prejudice at its inception. Mr. Gray is bound by the rules of professional conduct. The First Amendment does not excuse him from that obligation. So there it is, everybody. Let me see. Uh, if you guys want to call in, you have a comment or question, the number is 325-261-0892. Leave me a voicemail message. I'm not going to be opening up the phone lines tonight. Let me see if I have anything while I was talking. No voicemail messages. All right, let me check my email one more time. I think there's one more I did not look at. Mm -hmm. This is the ruling. Wow. This is, uh, okay. For those of you that are interested, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes after the show. Check my email one more time. Nothing there. Do I have any more stories? I believe I do. This is interesting. This is more about this case. And then I'm going to check to see what's going on in the chat room. Want to get into the nitty gritty? That's your girl, Banfield. Hashtag Champfield. Forensics and cybersecurity expert for Reliance Forensics. He's board certified in data security. He's a former cybersecurity analyst for the CIA. He's also a former prosecuting attorney. Mwah, chef's kiss. You are perfect. Chef's kiss. Look, get me sort of on and off the ledge on this because I always want to know that there's lots of evidence. If you're going to bring a guy in and charge him with quadruple murder, I want to know that there's lots of really good evidence. This would seem like it would put a guy right in the room alongside the DNA on the knife sheath. But why might it not work? Let's let's just look at the other side. Why might this not work? Right. Uh, so your phone, as you know, when you're walking around with it, it is trying to talk to the rest of the world any number of ways, right? Um, Bluetooth and your cellular antenna and near-field communication. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those attempted handshakes that you just referenced are necessarily being recorded. Not every single action that your phone takes is necessarily going to stick with that phone if a forensic examiner were to look at it days, weeks, months later. Um, yes, that handshake could have occurred, but is there going to be a record of it on the device that a forensic examiner can pull back? Okay, so let me take that one step further, and I'm going to just be you know, full disclosure here. I is it just me, or does she seem very happy that she actually has someone who is a legitimate authority on the damn question she's asking him? You know, maybe it's not Banfield's fault. Some of you, maybe you're a little bit too harsh on her. Maybe it's her producers. I'm just saying. Maybe it's her producers. I'm not saying it is, but maybe. She seems happy. Look, I haven't seen her smile in a long time. You guys want to see that? Oh, 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 oh. there she is. She's smiling. She's happy. I am a complete idiot when it comes to this stuff. I have oh. to hit all the buttons a hundred times and then reset just to get something to work. But I do know this, my phone is connected to my Bluetooth speaker and my phone knows when I go from portrait to landscape and it keeps that as a record as I learned in the murder. I think she likes him. Trial. What if yes. Kaylee's speaker uh, was connected to her phone? Because presumably they're all up on the third floor, right? 
you're going to have right. your phone upstairs when you go to bed, even if you're 50 feet away in the other bedroom. Will that perhaps keep a record? Uh, that would keep a record. And so if you ever noticed, you know, you'll spend a night in a hotel and you'll not come back to that hotel for months and then you'll go back to that hotel and it will automatically connect your phone back to Wi-Fi like you'd been there the day before. Um, your iPhone does keep a record. If you think she's getting now, wait till she gets to the end of this. Of what Wi-Fi networks you've connected to. Um, certain information about those networks, the name, the password, um, the last date and time, importantly, potentially for this case, the last date and time that that uh, phone was connected to that, that Wi-Fi network. Um, and the same works for, uh, for Bluetooth as well. It keeps a, a listing of uh, Bluetooth assets that you have connected to uh, at a certain point in the past in time. Uh, so let's say hypothetically at some point in the past, uh, Koberger's phone had initiated or, or uh, completed a handshake with really any other device in, in proximity to that house, uh, coming back in close proximity to that house, even if the phone were in airplane mode, as was pointed out, um, that Bluetooth connection may, may likely still be enabled and that handshake could occur that evidence would stay on the phone. And that's something that a forensic examiner could later take and say, yes, this phone was uh, in within Bluetooth communication of wow. this speaker, this microwave, this, you know, thermostat, that type of thing uh, at this point in time. This is, probably, this is probably a yes or no, but if the speaker is turned off, does it still emit a Bluetooth signal or is off, off when it comes to Off that? is off, off is off. Okay. How about the car? Let's talk about this 2015 Elantra. Um, some people have said they don't have the infotainment system. Some people have said they do. So maybe it's kind of, you know, haphazard on the 2015. But if Koberger... I think that's like that on any automobile, actually. With his phone, right? Because he's driving. We already know he had his phone with him because the, right. well, at least according to the authorities, he is driving out of Pullman or around, you know, Pullman at 2.48, 2.47, I think I said the time was. Look, 2.47 a.m. And then he, right. you know, hauls back in and is back on online. You know, he's, he basically turns the phone back on or does whatever at 4.48 a.m. If he's in right. that car... Is it going to handshake him to the car? Because right now we know an Elantra that belongs to him was at the murder scene, and a defense attorney will say, who was driving? Did you see him behind the wheel? But if his phone connected to his Bluetooth and went to the murder scene, now that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah, there may very likely be a record of that. I mean, the, the data that I've seen in the public record is based uh, of where he was is based on the cell tower pinging, uh, the location, which is much ping, less accurate ping, 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 uh, ping, and, ping. and much more, you know, covers a greater area than the um, the Bluetooth communication. Obviously, you have to be much closer to a device uh, to to ping off of that with your phone. Um, and there are records of that kept in, in the device, in the phone. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking down at my iPhone here, uh, I guess expecting it to do something. Um, but yes, I mean, I, we have seen in, in um, we've worked other types of cases, um, other types of homicides, um, cases where car accident cases, a lot of times you'll see a Bluetooth was activated and started playing music or something like that. And then a car accident occurs moments later. I mean, that, that's a fairly common thing to see. It fascinates me to think that somebody could think, well, I'm just going to turn my phone off and I'll go dark. But that phone stayed more than likely light. Wait a second. Did you hear her accent? It's natural for people to say they'll turn their phone off and go dark. Well, she sounded like she's from Texas, but she's from Canada. Let me hear that again. Turn my phone off and I'll go dark. But Dark. I'll go dark. 
Ashley's going to the dark side. Everybody clip that. My phone off and I'll go dark. I go but that dark. phone stayed more than likely. Somebody could think, well, I'm just going to turn my phone off and I'll go dark. But that phone stayed more than likely light if it were connected light. to the car. And then that car dark continued on its light. merry way. So the footprint would continue even though the cell towers lost him. All of this allegations, he has the right to remain uh, innocent until right proven guilty silent. in a court of law. But man, this evidence, um, okay. it's pretty fascinating stuff. Hey, Clark, thank you for this. I said you were the right person and I was right. Will you come back again? Thank you. Uh, oh, she invited him back for dinner. Thank I you for it. watching. Thank you. Anybody wants to go dark? All right, look at this right here. Put a poll up. Should we open up the phone lines or not? A lot of people have you said no. 36%. You know, which is also disturbing because when I do member streams for members only, and, you know, it's just the members in there, I still get thumbs down. What the hell's going on? Who is it? Who doesn't like the member streams? What member? Is Jenna here? Damn it, Susan. Was it you? Was it was that you, Susan? All right. All right, let me end this right now. And we'll get the number of how many people were actually taking the poll. 49 votes. Not bad, not bad, not bad. 65% is enough to talk me into it. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and open the phone lines. And I'm going to go over some crazy stuff that I got from uh, Cindy Herring. She couldn't be here. She's prepping for the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. In the Super Bowl tomorrow, I'm not going to do a show tomorrow for the Super Bowl, just so you guys know. It's not worth it. I got some crazy stuff, though. Crazy. Crazy stuff. I'll go over a little bit of that as I open up the phone lines. And we'll cruise down it. Phone lines are on. Now, the phone lines are now open. If you want to call me, I'll answer your call. And I'm pulling up some new stuff right now. About to rock out to that Dylan video again. You guys want to see that, don't you? I don't know. I don't know if this it says Dylan Mortson, Rookie of the Year Volleyball. What year is this? Four years ago? I doubt this is the same person. But the music is killing it. That doesn't even look like the same In that short time, I got another article right here. Mm. Something happening in Pullman. What it is ain't exactly clear. Hey, what's the sound? Everybody smell what's going down. Phone number 325-261-0892. If you want to call in and talk to me, now is your chance. 67% of like 49 people said, open up the phone lines. 100% don't want to call in. I'm not buying it. 
Check out this. Pullman police investigating possible attempted abduction of WSU PhD student. What the hell? What's the date on this, guys? February 8th. Boom. You weren't expecting that, were you? Neither was I. Here we go. Tonight, Pullman police are investigating reports of a man who tried to force himself into the apartment of a young woman he doesn't know. The victim posted her story on Facebook, and it is getting a lot of attention tonight. So much attention, in fact, that Pullman PD addressed it on its own Facebook page. Crypt News Amanda Rowley went to Pullman today to learn more about what happened. She is joining us live from the Pullman Police Department. Amanda, what have you learned so far? I confirmed this afternoon, Pullman police are investigating an attempted abduction of a PhD international student hell? at Washington State University. Now that student is okay, but police are still searching for the suspect. Meantime, students who live near where this incident happened are feeling uneasy tonight. Recent events on the Palouse over the last few months have understandably put the Pullman community on edge. And now there's even more concern after someone tried to force their way into a WSU student's apartment Friday night. Oh my gosh, that's scary because it's like right here where I'm living at. Selena Salou lives a few doors down from where the incident happened. She learned about the attempted abduction in a group chat. Just to even walk out to go to your car, just like throw the trash away, it's like scary because it's like... You're like, like now it's like you have to look where you're going and watching like who's like out and stuff because it's like you can't really trust anyone now. The rest of the community learned about what happened after the victim posted about it online. According to that post, after walking home Friday night, the PhD student noticed a black car parked outside her that apartment. Black car again. She says it was running and the trunk was left open. She got inside the apartment, but when she went to close the door, a man grabbed the door handle and tried forcing himself inside. The post says she had to use her full body weight to close and lock the door. She reported this to police shortly after. And then, out of fear, she left Pullman as soon as she could. We need the community's help. Commander Aaron Brashears says officers arrived on scene within minutes and made extra patrols that night, but they did not find the man or the black car. He says the man is described as approximately five foot five and was seen wearing a green sweatshirt. Police are also searching for a black sedan, possibly a Nissan Altima with faded black paint and no license plates. Right now, officers are investigating all possible leads, talking to neighbors and asking the community to share any information that may be helpful to the investigation. If there is a logical explanation for the circumstances, I would ask that the person responsible give us a call and explain if there is a logical explanation. It's scary to just think about because it's like I can't even like walk out without like being like paranoid like who's watching me and stuff or like what if this happens Somebody's to me. In the meantime, me. Selena plans to so be extra cautious and keep her head Whoa. on a swivel. Now, today I spoke with that Ph.D. student who reported this incident. She tells me she is glad she's okay and feeling very lucky. In the meantime, just a few hours ago, Pullman police posted on Facebook. They are also investigating reports of a suspicious male who's been seen looking into homes on College Hill. Now, to be clear, police say they do not believe this is related to that attempted abduction incident. But we'll keep tracking this story as it develops. Reporting in Pullman, Amanda. So peeping in windows, someone says. Peeping in windows. 
We don't care about the Canadian Prime Minister. No, we don't. All right, next story. About to shut the phone lines down, guys. I'm so sad. I want to thank our executive producer for today's show. Our executive producer is none other than Lady Dilly Pickles. Thank you very much for producing the show. I beyond appreciate it. All the money for the show that is generated from this show goes to our music radio license, which we are in the process of obtaining our licenses, which are multiple, right now. Thank you very much. Very much. If you're interested in becoming an executive producer for a donation of $20 or more, you become the executive producer of the show, of the next show that we do. If you would like to help us out towards our goal, because you appreciate the content we bring you, value for value, if we're putting value to your life, then some people feel like they should give value back. Midnight Radio Line, this is Jerry speaking. Who am I speaking with? Grant, mate. Hey, Grant, how's it going? Good, mate. I just thought I'd ring in and um, talk about these interesting stories. Um, the balloon that went over wasn't much of a story, but we got that yesterday. Oh, yeah, we, we heard it. You got it yesterday. That's right. I'm not sure when it broke here. Maybe last night. Yeah, yeah, it must have. Because we follow your news. I think it broke. I, I think it did happen late in the night. Yeah. Um. Ashley. Sorry. Go on. Go on, Jerry. No, you go ahead. I uh, just um, Ashley's really fighting to get things done with um, gag orders, but the Gonsalves family, they haven't got anything to share, have they? No. Not that that they haven't already. I don't believe they do. Yeah, I just wonder what all the fighting's over. I don't know. Yeah, um... I wish they. I I said in the comments that um, the the trials done in the public's interest for the public and people have the right freedom of you know the freedom of speech. I just don't know why it's so closed off. Well, they they're citing. It's it's in the defense's interest to not have anybody talk about it whatsoever, and if they could do that, they would, because they want to win the case. So they have the the one point of view, and then the family has another, which I mean is something I'm stating obviously. Yeah, yeah, but um, I think the defence would hate us to talk about it because look at all the was and all the wild ass speculations we we come up with. You know, half of them I think are true. Half of them, half of them show to be true later, or half of them Ashley talks about later. But the main case that the prosecutors were making is said that they planned to call them on the stand, and uh, so they're saying that they would fall under that gag order. Yeah, yeah. Now I heard today, I just... and I'm double checking now that the Gonsalves family was actually cleared to speak. 
I thought that's what that case was about. I did too. I heard that they were cleared to speak, and now it's looking like maybe they're not. Or they were, they're because saying that they were clear at the time. See, the, the lawyer was trying to get it cleared up from the judge, and the judge wouldn't talk with him. He was trying to say, does this go over, does this cover my clients? And the judge would not respond. And then we got this, and it says that, yes, they were cleared to talk, but they shouldn't be now. I love talking true crime because, um, oh, it's just fascinating. I just love it. We didn't get to talk about the, um, we didn't get to talk about the Murdoch trial yesterday. I was just going to bring that up about um, he went for a mistrial over a lawyer speaking out of turn for three seconds or three words mm-hmm. is quite comical. I, I got to watch a little bit of it. From what I saw, the most interesting part, it had his actual help. The help there, you know, the person that cooked his food and everything. And, of course, he's innocent until proven guilty, and I don't know about all that, but I just know about this part where she was saying how little things like the food that was left on the stove was normally that she would come in there, she would cook, she'd leave it on the stove. This was a special meal that they requested her cook. She made it, left it there, left for the day. And then when she came back after the murder, of course, you know, the food was put up like it never had ever been before. They'd always just leave it there, eat, eat out of it, and let her clean it up the next day. And she talked about the pajamas of his wife and how they were um, strewn about the floor like they'd never been before and how that her underpants were on the floor when she didn't wear underpants with those pajamas. It was like everything didn't make sense as to the way it normally would. So it's like somebody moved this, somebody did these things possibly speculating to cover it up but the person that did these things were someone that didn't have any insider information on the way things normally go or otherwise were too distraught to put it put it up correctly so i mean it looks bad just looking at it from this level from that from that angle what a, but um you got to remember things are diff things are happening different because there was a murder. Of course, things are going to be different. Are you going to wear underwear you never wore before, before your own murder? Oh, before. Sorry, sorry. I'm thinking you're talking about the clothing they, you know, they they talked they talked about after right. the, the murders were committed. I did. So for so she called he called her to come over after the murder and to clean up because they were going to have people over. And then she noticed these things. She went to go clean up and she saw that things had been moved. Uh, clothing had been moved from the closet and things were from his closet in there. She had him, he had her wash his clothes, you know, different things like that. 
yeah, things are going to be different, but there was clothing, clothes that she she didn't wear. I mean, her clothes that she wore were taken off and thrown on the ground. I don't know. No, you do, Jerry. That's fantastic because um, you're letting us know, you know, good details there. It's stuck in my. I head. know it's been on the child. Go ahead. I just said it stuck in my head when I saw it. I saw it live there, and he looked like he yeah, was sweating bullets. I- Yeah, like, he's in the car, he's absolutely broken down, frantic and that, no tears though, it was like a rehearsed story, like you said, you've never seen anyone convicted that was actually crying over what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And one more thing, Jerry, Um, before you, um, there's so much in this trial, financial murder, um, it, it's just a convoluted story to talk about because it the the trial is I don't know how these jurors are gonna keep all this together in their heads. You know what I mean? No notepads, just just what do you think about that? I think that that's I saw a lot of people talking about that with the Murdoch trial. They're talking about how confusing his defense team is making everything. And they say this is a tactic of theirs to confuse the jurors and the jurors aren't allowed notepads, but I saw somebody today break it down. They broke down the time that his uh, infotainment system was on his GPS. They said, as opposed to the time that actually his testimony said he was someplace and they said it doesn't match. It shows that he was lying. And there's a video I found on that. And let me try to pull that up. Yeah, there's Yeah, there's a um there's a timeline that shows you when he called nine one one and when he's talking to the police he says he did something, but it only by what you're talking about, this information from the cast satellite or whatever, um, he had to have got back to the house He's, what he said in his statement, matching your time things you've got, he had to have got to his house or something in two seconds and it just couldn't have happened. I think the the technical information, the phone information and the um, car satellite information against his testimony, his statements are going to be powerful against him in as in convicting him for murder. If you believe that he didn't do it, things just don't make sense. All right. I Not at all. Would you guys be interested in seeing a timeline of this? If you're a... I've got a timeline right here. But if you believe what he said, you can't believe what he said because the timeline doesn't, doesn't work correctly and it, it does seem... That it's possible that his defense are making it. Per- the light's flashing, Jerry. Oh, yeah, I got the light on tonight. I said to hell with it. I'm going to play with the light. Oh, I'm going to have the light on. Has that been on, has that been on all, all show? Oh, this show, yes. Only when I'm talking. <laughs> if I'm I talking. I didn't notice. Yeah, if I'm talking. Well, a lot of it is just 
playing videos, so I'm not talking very much. I have to get through this. No, it's, well, here, here we go. Well, the Alec Murdoch double murder trial begins on Monday. Video. Disgraced former attorney Alec Murdoch is accused of shooting and killing his wife and son. On June 7, 2021, 52-year-old Maggie and her 22-year-old son Paul are found shot to death on the family's property. But he's accused of other crimes as well. In September of that year, Murdoch's law firm and SLED began investigating allegations of misappropriation of money. Weeks later, Murdoch called 911, saying he was shot in the head, later admitting, though, to paying someone to shoot him in hopes his living son could collect life insurance money. Wow. In October of 2021, his former law firm filed the first of many lawsuits against him, alleging he stole millions of dollars from his clients and the firm. Now, again, that trial starts on Monday. It is for the double murder charges. A separate trial will take place at a later date for his alleged financial crimes. For more details on this... Jerry? Yeah. I sent you a short video of the timeline video. It's from Mob Mob Crew. That's the one, yeah. It's a little sport. You know what? Mob Crew, yeah. I think you sent me the original one I saw. Oh, you, is that what you're talking about? The original one? Okay, let me... No, go. no, I sent you one yesterday, I think, from uh, Mob Crew. It was just a... Yeah, it was just a... Yeah, it was actually from week a couple of weeks ago. Okay. But I sent it to you only yesterday, I think. Okay, here it is. Yeah, you you are the one that sent that to me. I was looking in Discord. Are you on Discord yet? We're trying to get you on there. Uh, Jerry, when I said, um, have you got my have you got a number? Because I, I was trying to, evidently, this is how silly I am. I was trying to set up, I didn't realize this, I was trying to set up my own, um, what you got, yeah, and then it, I'm trying to invite. I'm trying to invite friends to your show, and that which probably I should do. But um, so it asked me for a a number for my entry code. I couldn't get in in that, but I'll come out. I've downloaded an app for it. Uh huh. But um, yeah, we'll see. So you're, but have you have you downloaded the app right? Yeah, I've downloaded the app. I I can get so far, and um, yeah, I, um, I, I, it's either the Android phone or from I'm um, from Australia. But I get to you inviting me, uh-huh. and I give my and all that. And, but it I, it just sort of goes, you know, ask for it's my always- email address and all that. I I give all that, but here it is. This is the um, I'm, our time frames are different. I'm fully full fast forwarded. Uh, I'm up to live TV on the T- YouTube TV and comments and all that are going up. Murdoch's face just come up on the TV. That's right. When I listen to it on the phone, it's about 10 seconds ahead or behind. And um, But it, when you talk, it doesn't seem to match my voice. You are on the phone. You are the man from the future. Let's watch this video real quick. <laughs> we'll try to get this timeline. But his timeline completely fell apart with the last two days of the trial when they went over the GPS data. And his lawyers did make it intentionally uh, obscured, which the way they're having them tell the information, which is, you know, that doesn't seem like good lawyering to me. 
That seems like dirty pull, but uh, but here we go. Let's play this. He had arrived home and first goes to his house to check to see a back from his mystery to the paranormal. Now, according to Alex Murdoch, after coming back from his mother's house, he had arrived home and first goes to his house to check to see if Paul and Maggie were there. Let's take a listen to his interview. When I got back to the house, the house was obviously nobody was in there. So I figured they're still up here fooling around. Paul was um, going to be getting set up to plant. Our sunflower seeds got sprayed and died, and he was refiguring to do to plant the sunflower seeds. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, but that past that last video we played is very important because he actually paid someone to shoot himself in the head earlier. You know, before all this to kill. Right Hello. Yeah, right outside of church. Wow. Nobody's talking about I've heard anybody talk about that before. And that's that's I've something I knew. I took some snapshots of where he, I went on Google Maps and where um the interview room podcast, they went to the actual site, the husband and wife team, and they showed exactly where he pulled over um said he took the tire off. That's another convoluted story from him. Like he was trying to commit suicide or something, they reckon, that he hired a hitman. To, he was trying to get his own life taken so insurance could pay the family out. This is where, you know, is that a ploy to commit the murders to make it look like, well, well I was going to kill myself through right. a hitman. That's right. Um, does that, was that all bull, bull crap? Um, or, you know, just to make him look good at this trial. He's planned this out either really well or it's, you know, it's you've got to believe the impossible. Did they catch the hitman? I can't. I don't know, Jerry. There's some people on there saying it was Uncle Eddie. Whoever it was, it. I don't think they really wanted to kill him. I think he was just trying to make it look like somebody was after him is what I think. I think they collected the money and he said, well, I tried, you know, and cause he would have had to pay money. All right. Let me continue this video here. So I came back up here and I drove up and saw and called. Now let's look at his OnStar records from his Suburban to go. see if that OnStar lines records. up. According to the records, he arrives at 10 p.m. in 36 seconds, and his vehicle is put into park for a bit. That could be Alex stopping to open the gate. He then drives for 12 seconds, parks, then drives immediately again for a total of 25 seconds. This could indicate what Alex said to be true, and he drives to the house. Now between 10.01 and 43 seconds, it is put into park, and there is an approximate three-minute gap that would line up with Alex has said so far to the investigator. Alex would be in the house for three minutes, 
and then we would see activity from the suburban where it's put into drive at 10.04 and 49 seconds where the vehicle is moving again for one minute and 16 seconds which could mean he is driving over to the kennels to look for Paul and Maggie. Alex then puts the vehicle in park at 10.05 and 55 seconds. And according to Alex, after checking the house, then driving over to the kennels, he gets out and discovers Paul and Maggie. So, so far, all of this is lining up, right? Well, there's one big problem. And I ran over to Maggie, and uh, actually, I think I tried to turn Paul over first. Um, uh, you know, I tried to turn him over. And- I want you guys to notice how there are no tears on this man. Uh, I don't know. I figured it out. Um, no tears. His face isn't even that red. Uh, I'm not it's normally that red. Yeah, yeah, no tears. I I would have tears, uncontrollable sobbing and tears. But hey, what do I know? Uh, his cell phone popped out of his pocket. I started to try to do something with it, thinking maybe, but then I put it back down really quickly. Um, then I went to my wife, and I, uh, I mean, I could see... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I tried to take their pulse on both of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um uh, you know i called 911 um pretty much right away according to the records on the vehicle he calls 911 at 10:06 and 14 seconds and actually misdials causing him to call again at 10:06 and 18 seconds But there's one big problem. If he had just put the vehicle in park at 10.05 and 55 seconds and calls 911 at 10.06 and 14 seconds, how was he able to check on Paul and Maggie, who are at least 35 feet away from each other, in less than 10 seconds? This would not be consistent with Alex's timeline of events. So I know some may try and poke a hole at this and say that Alex could have drove over to the kennels first and during that three minute window between 10.01 and 10.04, he could have been checking on Paul and Maggie, but there's one big problem with that. Phone records show that Alex Murdoch tried calling his wife at 10.03 p.m. So if you had just discovered their bodies, why would you be trying to call them, then drive around for another minute and 16 seconds, then wait another 19 seconds before calling 911? Clearly this was a crazy discovery I found after looking at the OnStar records of Alex Suburban and the data they released and going back and discovering that his story he told to investigators does not line up with the records. So I really hope you enjoyed today's short video. Let me know your... What do you guys think about that video? What do you think about that video, Grant? Um, I, it sounds like the guy's on heroin. I know he's not, but he talks real slow. I know the, um, the you're talking about the contents of the video. I'll um, take whatever I, I get. Think, I think that that is going to crush him. Um you know, the timeline, and you just showed some great timeline footage there. So everyone realises when he did made the call, when he did what, 
around the time. See, this is after the murders. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done all the murders before all this timeline, but he they're tracking all his timelines. You know, he, but this is good timelines because it's tracking him from. I, I, I don't think we've got any freedoms left. They, I don't. I didn't know about this tracking system in cars. I knew something about it, but oh yeah, and you know your phones. Yeah, oh, it's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, you were saying something about three hundred thumbs up in that. Um before um and it not matching i was just wondering um i don't know if i should say this um are you going to be in competition with youtube with the radio station no no it's not really no okay i just thought um i just thought yeah it was um because i said to you once about this chris delay he's a comedian in los angeles I got a little um, email I want to sell you, send sell you, send you, um, but I don't want to overload you. It's about him and how he thought he was being shadow banned. Oh yes. And uh, and I just I don't I just do you sort of put together what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not being shadow banned okay. at all. No, uh, there's a specific. No, I didn't. There's specific ways the algorithms go, and I pretty much know exactly what they are. They encourage me to talk about certain things and not talk about other things. For example, um, I'm no, I'm noticing they really want me to target. They want me to put Idaho Four and to talk about the Idaho Four on all of my, on all of my um, videos I do. They want that to be on the title, you know. Which I don't. I like talking about the Idaho Four because I'm, I'm very interested in the case and. New stuff comes out every day, but sometimes I play with that and people wonder, well, what's going on? Like yesterday, for example, I put cheesecake on there because I was talking about that specific story. And that's when I noticed it affects YouTube sending my video out to people. So when I do, I do the, I put it in to have a pre-stream, you know, pre-schedule it in there. And it'll actually send it from going out to people depending on, what the kind of things that they're watching, you know? So I notice things like that, but I, I'm not being shadow banned at all. But as far as the radio station goes, it's really an extension of this. So the way it works is, is um, let's say you're watching this show and you're enjoying it and you're like, Oh, I, I like that. Well, right after, right after that, you can go and you can listen to the radio station on your, on your phone or smart device. And you can listen to some of the best music out there we we polled the viewers to see what they wanted to listen to and that's what we filled it up with but right now we only do a pre-show right before the show so it really doesn't take anything away from youtube because we still put all of our stuff on youtube that we do live we just have something to do when you're away from youtube when you're at work or driving you actually have some good music to listen to again you know filled with djs from the community you know Exactly, Jerry. I the tapes you've sent me of Miss Midnight, Johnny, Hot Ham. I just turn everything off and just play the hour-long tapes. And you've sent me a few, and it's I'll be listening to it. It's great. You just shut everything off and listen to great music. You talking like I said to you once. Um, we used to listen to 
talkback radio in Adelaide and uh, it was uh, on the AM channel and then the FM band come in. This is back early 90s and we got stereo on the music. So they started selling us these stereo, you know, uh, radios and we sort of left talkback radio because the music wasn't good. Well, you encapsulate everything with your show. You've got great music, talk back, people phoning in maybe. Um, like it all sounds fantastic. I can't wait for it. So long as I get it in Australia. Oh, yeah, you should get it in Australia. Yeah, it's like old radio um, I was going to say, did, I was going to just ask you, do you know about Stephen Crowder and... Um, um, Daily Mail, the and and the story where um, Tim Pool, they were talking about the terms and conditions of um, YouTube and that. Anyway, it it doesn't matter. It, it revolves around the story of this Crystal. He mentions um, the disease that shut down the shut down the country, and they don't want you saying that word. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, um, that's sort of where I was coming at, mm. at it with you with um, okay. that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got a lot of information on that. I've got a mountain of information about that. Okay. So there are certain things I can't talk about or, or certain ways I can't talk about it in certain times. Like you can cuss, but not at the very first of the show, you know, things like I don't really cuss much anyway if I do. So that's not a problem. I can't talk about a certain pandemic, a certain public health scare at all. I can't talk about that at all or they'll pull my video down and, you know, maybe even give me a few days off or something like that. So they control that. Can't talk about that. And, and those, oh, I can't talk about, if, if there ever was any kind of election fraud, I don't know about, you know, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about voting or anything like that at all. Because I would be off, they'd kick me off here so fast. That is in their rules. But that being said, I'm a man of plans, and I can talk about whatever if I wanted to. You know, we don't really, we're not going to talk about politics yeah. on the show on the radio. But I have my own platforms. YouTube has their little thing going on. Jerry has his own website that does the same thing YouTube does. I can flick, literally flick a switch, and if I wanted to talk about something like that, I could shoot it right over to my own website and say whatever I want if I wanted to. I think that's why they I think that's why they have Rumble and um, Rumble, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Rumble, Twitter. I don't know. What is the other one? Yeah. That's a good question. There's Rumble, that um, guy that's in Bulgaria or Romania, uh, Andrew Tate, he he was on Rumble and he was like banned. He was popular around the around America, I suppose the world. Mm-hmm. He got locked up. Uh, I don't know, rape or something. He got bail now. Yeah, but um, yeah. So that yeah. Chris D'Elia that I was talking. About, oh, sorry, go on. That's, that, right. that's another story. They have that. They have Rumble, but I literally have my own BitChute. That's what somebody put it in the website. They, that's right. They have BitChute. Thank you, chat room. They have Bumble. They have Rumble. Jerry has MidnightRad.io. Literally, I can broadcast to Jerry's own website. Nobody can control Jerry. 
So if should I want to talk about those other things, there's not a problem. Should YouTube have a problem with anything, I can just flick a switch and take you guys with me if you want to go. Because well, Crowd approved approved that with the Coffee Club. This is a guy that's popular on YouTube. Was popular on YouTube, but he used to have a little emblem at the end of his show where he's weeing in a cup. Don't need you, YouTube, whatever. I'm not saying anything like that. I just, I like it the way it is. I yeah. think everything's fine. I think YouTube's great, and I just want you to grow the audience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, YouTube's been pretty good to me, actually. I don't have any problem with it at all. Um, as long as I don't want to talk about the things they don't want me to talk about, and I'm good right now, so we're, we're fine. Can I... Talk about just I know you're running out of time. Um, can I talk about um, the person of interest video that got fifty thousand views? What? Yes. What do you think about that? It was a great show. Well, what do I think about it's that? That's a, kind of a broad what, question. Yeah. yeah. A specific thing, or do you want me to talk about all of it? Um. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, I, I've watched it a couple of times now, um, as well as I'd like to talk about the Kinderfeller one. There's a whole heap of stuff you put out, Jerry, that I'd like to talk about. The Jesus um, story, the devil story, you know, I wish people would, you know, see all this stuff. But um, no, nothing in particular. It was okay. just a great show, person of interest. I think it was groundbreaking. Okay, so what do I think about it? Well, first of all, I'd been here every morning covering these stories by myself. Um, I started, I was over at um, Spotify, and I was talking about it every day, and I was having problems with my software at the time because of a Windows update, and it messed up my audio. Now I got that hammered down and know the exact area that it messes it up. But So I was, doing, I was only doing audio at the time. But I was talking about the Idaho Four, so I have Idaho Four stories, guys, that you guys don't know about because they're only on Spotify. About I did one or two, and then I got my software corrected, and I went on YouTube talking about it with the other stories I talk about, which are crime related, just not just crime, not true crime, bizarre crime related. So then I saw my somebody I know sent me a text message like two a.m. in the morning talking about Donna Serafina. And she gave a reading where she was talking about, I don't know, about this case and how she was getting psychic impressions from her, her guardian spirits and they were giving her all this information. And they brought up several things like a baker. He was a baker. Uh, Mediterranean is what she said. Um, she He knew the girls before he lived there in uh, Moscow. He worked at one of the bakeries there, his parents owned the bakery, his parents owned a farm. Uh, it was kind of out in the country. He hid it, hid the knife behind the barn, different things like that. And I thought, well, not that I believed the information, not that I didn't believe the information. I go, but this is unique information. This is interesting. And I thought, let me see if I can pull a profile of somebody from the real world with all this information. That's when I came up with the, um, I called him uh, Peacock, which is not his last real, not his real last name. But I found somebody, and it was scary to death. It went along what she said, but 
not only that, but the different things in his life, it's like, okay, well, if this guy is dangerous, which I'm not saying he is or was, he certainly had the potential to be. These people open their life, people open their lives up and they don't realize it. You know, um, he was a subcontractor, so he would have known the layout of different buildings. He, he has a delivery service for food, so he could have had contacts with these women because they're uh, doing Uber eating some food. So I'm like, this is very, this is very dangerous. People don't realize how they're opening themselves up with their Instagram and their social media accounts. Um, so that's when I came up with the idea of, you know, it's, it's okay to talk about WAS and WATs. That's wild ass speculations and wild ass theories. I'm a bit, a business major and I know what I'm allowed to talk about and how I'm allowed to talk about it um, legally and how I'm not. So there, there's a difference between bringing somebody up and there's a difference between accusing them and dragging them through the mud night after night. And when they say stop, you don't stop. You know, that's, I never did that. Um, but the fact of how anybody at Moscow at that time could have been a suspect and that's what I was trying to convey. It was a story I was trying to convey with that one, with that one, um, that one video. And the name of the video was suspect of interest. And it really blew me away that they didn't even have a person of interest at all at the time, but they did, but they didn't talk about it. So I came up with that video. I did that video. It got, I think it's at 49 or 50,000 views now. And it brought a lot of you here. And people stayed for a while, and some left, and some came back, and I don't know. It depends on what your taste is, but but that's that's really what I thought you about know, that video. That show, I got I just while I'm talking to you, I pulled it up, and Donna Serafina, yeah, she that that was a great show, actually. That I think that's when I cottoned on to you. Um, that was a good show, and. She does some amazing things, but sometimes I she was so accurate with stuff there. On that, I know I'm talking about her, um, but she was so accurate on, you know, him coming in the door, and it all turned out accurate. And there was yeah, a guy, a guy that um, looked like an author or something that she said. She also brought up. Um, she did a reading recently on the balloon <laughs> and I don't know if that's to get likes because it's from China uh, or, you know, so, you know, I don't know, but she was so close on this um, person of interest. She was very video. specific. That That's the thing that stood out. She is so specific about this and there's more to that. I think I was contacted by people that are close to her and they asked me if I wanted to do something with her. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm interested in this information, you know. And I really don't do anything with other YouTube creators. No offense to them, but it's just not my style. Um, but she was so specific. And that became even more interesting as we continued on to the Idaho 4 story. And we came to the conclusion, you know, they arrested Brian Kohlberger. So we look at this story and we're like, okay, let's take all those WASs we pinned and look at them. And Donna Serafina is one I looked at. But guess what? Out of all these WASs we looked at, Grant, do you know what the most accurate I've seen out of all of them were? 
No, tell me. The most accurate to me was that computer-generated image that of the. Ah. Oh. Wow. Yes. Isn't that scary? That is scary. I just I don't know how I found that. I don't I don't know if somebody sent it to me or I think I came across it. But the guy he he did true crime. He has gone for a few months, maybe a year, and then he comes back and he just and I have um you know computer AI generated artwork, um but he just asked it to do the Idaho Four Killer and it brought him that picture and then we get Cole Berger and it is accurate. And it was more accurate than any of the psychics were. And the, the psychics come back and they, they say, well, I didn't interpret it correctly. Um, it was really this, but they said this and I thought this. I mean, you can say that with anything. Anybody can say that about wild ass speculations. But if you look at that computer AI, you've got something there. Did you see the um, picture it did with the ponytails, the little goatee? It asked the question, and it, it come back with a photo that spread around, went viral, a picture of a person. It, it, it asked it a question, and it come back with blonde hair, ponytails that stick up like cat's ears, um, a weird looking eyes, nose, and it's a face of a man, but the top half's a, wolf, a young lady. It looks like the bottom half, he's got a goatee in that. It's just crazy what this AI can do artwork-wise and talk back to you, asking the questions, do you want to be a human? Uh, I, it, and it replies, I would, but only for a very short time. You know, it's just they don't believe in God and all that stuff. It's very creepy, very creepy. I've messed around with it, and you ask it to show you a picture of heaven, and it'll it did one of the most beautiful pictures I'd ever seen. And I, it pulls up things, it pulls up images that I've haven't had the capacity to even imagine in my brain. And it's like I'm seeing something fresh for the first time. It is amazing. And then it asks you, I, I'll ask it to do a picture of hell, and it'll be one of the darkest, scariest pictures you could ever have imagined with people suffering and writhing in pain and you think there has to be something more to this than i'm just asking this computer questions and it makes it as realistic it hits your soul. yes it, it's almost um i have a section in the discord about quantum computing and it's a continuing story i'm working on about quantum computing and I don't want to say much about it because because so, I don't want to not have all the information correct. But to me, it's almost like these quantum computers reach in between time and space and to like the ethereal plane. You know, the same place that uh, spirits, if you believe in them, spirits and angels and demons are at. You know, scientifically, they oh, say that's what conscience? it does. Yeah, it's like it slips into another state, another dimension, another realm when it comes back with these answers and the way it operates. And according to the CEO of the company that makes it in Canada, that's exactly what it does. And that's according to him. Yeah, I thought you might have brought up that AI-generated photo you asked for. Yeah, somebody's asking. I'm going to try to get it right now. Let me Let me try to bring that up for you guys. I'll bring it up. I got to go back in the file. 
because I put a link to all everything I have in every show, so I can go back and get it. I'll do it now. Well, you could drop a song in here if it was the radio. Although I suppose you don't have pictures on YouTube. I can't drop a song, but but on uh, on the radio I could. No. All right, I'm yep. going back. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be there in a minute. Want me to sing while you're looking up? Oh, it won't be long. I'm just trying to think <laughs> AI person of interest. Okay, there it is. Yeah. No executive. All right, let's go edit video. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. You'll sign that on the phone now. All right, here we go. I'm bringing it up. Actually, hold on. Not only did I do that, I put their pictures side by side, him and uh, Cole Berger, so you can see it. Oh, no, I didn't. I did that on my video. All right, so here's the, let me show you this real quick so you know, you don't feel like you're waiting. Here's the computer AI image. I'll show you guys that real quick. This is from Bart Juan. I'll show you this. This is what they came out with when he asked AI. Now, let me... Now, let me go back to the video where I put their faces uh, right next to each other. So you see that. No executive producer. All right. There's me again talking. So I'm bringing that up right now. Rabbit hole survivor, sir. of it I gotta go back and look oh here we go all right or I guess I could hold on I could do it for you again live huh let's do that all right so here's the AI image again right here and I'll do a picture of Brian Kohlberger on the other side here I'll let you guys look at this for a little bit. Let me get Brian. It's impressive. Brian Kratberger. <laughs> there we go. Very quick smoke. And th these are the two pictures I showed at the time. Okay. I think the eyes. There we go. The eyes, the nose, the look at the mouth. Forget about the beard, but the ears are even offset. So I mean, and that's what a computer. All he that's asked. What a computer comes. Absolutely. All he said is, "Show me the Idaho Four Killer," and boom, this is what you got. And there's a lot of people saying it's before he was arrested. Yeah, this came out like a week before, or two weeks before he was arrested. And I showed it like two weeks before because that's what we do here. And that's the value of the show. I show wild-ass speculations, wild-ass theories, and then when we get more information, we go back to that theory and look at it, and that's how we came up with this. And I don't know how many views it's had now. This is Bart Wands, not mine. 
Jerry. Maybe 17,000. Yeah. I think you could do what um, Serafina does with AI. (laughs) I think you might be right, actually. And you know what? I have access to AI. We can try it. We absolutely can do that next time. Next time there's a case that we don't know who the murderer is, we'll run it through the AI just like uh, Bart Juan did and see what we get. Why don't you ask, is is Brian going to be, is nothing burger going to be convicted? Well, I can't ask it questions. The, right? I can't ask it questions. Ah. The only thing I can do is ask it to show me, uh, make a picture of for me for something. Oh, that's what we, the public, have got so far. We can't actually get in, uh, ask it questions. Oh, that's yeah. right. I remember this application. Right. I can't ask it questions. I just have access for it to make pictures for me, but not not applications. But, I mean, some agencies, they do have access to that, and they could ask it, how would this turn out? How would that turn out? But for me, all, all the psychics that were coming out, and they were, and I played them at the time, and there's some of them, they were talking to spirit boxes and they had things moving around the room and cl- uh, crosses getting knocked down off the table. I mean, it's kind of um, serious stuff here, but none of that meant anything, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they'd say, well, I just didn't ask this right, or I didn't interpret this right. But out of all the information that we got to me, the most accurate was this one guy. And all he put was show me the Idaho four killer. And it gave him this. And, and I mean, my, even my video, uh, person of, uh, person of interest was way off. If that was who I was saying it was, was way off, you know? Yeah. Um, I was looking at that, the younger, the older brother or the younger brother, the shorter one of the two, the photo shows. The guy you were talking about when, um, yes, that guy Uh person of interest. Yeah, Donna Serafina said that the murderer looked like would look like David Pilates. And, and if you shave David Pilates' beard off, or if you mix up the AI generated picture, it all sort of comes together. Yeah, it did all kind of come together, but it still doesn't make it right. But this this picture, what right? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean. Uh, Cronenberger, Cronenberger, nothing burger looks nothing like David Pilates, you know? No. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I suppose. Um, yeah, the AI done the trick to me that looks, you know, I don't know how he did it, how it did it. I'm talking to as a, in the, he and the pronouns, he, I usually got the Super Bowl. You had the Super Bowl recently? I believe the Super Bowl is going to be Sunday. Is that correct, everybody? Because I wanted to talk about that real quick. The Super Bowl. Is the Super Bowl Sunday? I should know, but you know what? I really don't follow football. But I believe it. today's Saturday. It's Sunday for you there today. It's Sunday for us tomorrow. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to be here on yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. 
I'm going to take. Now, who's who's the half time and all that? If you don't follow it, you might not know this. But who's the entertainment that, that is a big, big? It's big in America. I know that. Mm, I got it's a big I, year. I don't, I don't follow it, but I got a magical porthole called the chat room that'll answer me. It's in Arizona. I know that. Who's there? You go. What are the teams playing? Rihanna, she's going to play the halftime show. Rihanna, oh yeah, yeah. Now, who's, who's even at the Super Bowl? I don't even know. What's what's the stadium capacity, guys? Yeah, what's the stadium capacity? What are the different flavors of brews they're having? We get um, a hundred thousand to our grand final. Somebody's saying I'm scared AFL to even footy. see what demonic halftime there will be this year. Yeah, the, I, there was something weird that happened at the Grammys with Sam Smith. I was told. This is interesting. Someone says, I believe for a long time, some people have been getting advanced technology from the other side, those that dive into magic. That is a good idea for a show, in my opinion. Yeah. The kind of shows I like to do right there. And Chris Stapleton is singing the national anthem. Well, it's uh, Philadelphia versus Kansas City, and they're playing in Arizona, 530. So it would be Philly right during my show. Kansas. That's all East Coast, isn't it? The, Kansas and the Eagles Philly. and the Chiefs. Kansas and Philly. I think Kansas is kind of central. Yeah, I think Kansas is. I sent you that bump. I sent you that bump stock video. You might see it soon. I got right. that bump stock video. We have good information about those weapons, you know, that were, uh, they talk about in the Murdoch trial in our discord. When you get in there, we have a area just to talk about murder, the Murdoch trial. And they're all excited to talk, talk to you when you get in there. Finally, they ask me every day, is, is, <laughs> is he in yet? I'm trying, but, um, He'll the Las there. Vegas, um, the Las Vegas, um, shooting might got quite quick with the bump stock stuff. Is that the NRA quieting things down or? I don't know. What I do know, and I was going to go over it yesterday, but I totally lost my clips, is there were, there were two families that were murdered within 48 hours of each other in different parts of the United States um, with uh, murder-suicides. We're talking whole families wiped out. This is something I've been following because I've been reporting on the the crime that's been going on every day, but this is happening a lot here in America that they're not talking about it much. Yeah, there was, there was another story in, I'm not sure it was California, where they massacred a whole family and they killed a young baby in the mother's arms. They shot it in the head. I know it's terrible. but Yeah, yeah, we went over that. That was just, that not just, but that was a uh, gang-related hit and they got the two people responsible for that uh the they're saying wow. they're saying the capacity for an nfl game is seventy two thousand two hundred people and one of those people <laughs> would be kanye <laughs> west <laughs> yeah he, he spoke 
Kanye's supposed to come here, but all all we're all everybody, not me. I want him here. Everybody's. Uh, I don't care if he comes, really, but I don't see the fuss. Everyone's putting up a fuss not to come here. He's evidently married to a young Australian woman from South Australia, from where I'm from, and he wants to visit the parents. Kanye West is. That's that's what's been that's, said here. That's on interesting. Facebook. You might see him. Somebody's asking in the chat, what do you think no. of UFOs shooting down in Canada Day? We went over that earlier. I showed satellite images of what they actually shot down. I've got to look that up. I, knew, I know they shot down a balloon in Alaska or something. Yeah. They said it was, whatever it was, was smaller than what they shot down earlier this week. You couldn't pay me to go to the Super Bowl. I've seen some, That's what I've seen some UFO videos that... You just can't explain it. Nope. You know, I have a I have a weird feeling, a personal thought on UFOs. I really don't. So, Grant, what would happen if UFOs were real and they f- came down there in Australia and they met everybody there in the par- parliament there and they're like, yes, we're real. How, how would that affect your life? Not in any way, I know. but they might think it's funny that we. They might think it's funny we follow dogs and pick up their turds in bags. They might have a question there. They would. They would say there's no intelligent life and go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, they think that we're the pets of the animals, pretty much. But it, yeah, I mean, I think uh, UFOs are interesting. But if they land down and they abduct the president or take him out for an ice cream, it's not going to affect me. At the end of the day, I'm a working man, and I'm still going to be doing what I do. And they're not going to take me for a ride. They're not going to take me out for an ice cream. They don't want to talk to me. So really, in that regard, it's not interesting. But what I'm really interested in as relate as, as it relates to aliens is the technology. There's certain people that I've heard talk about different alien technologies and some of the people that claim they were abducted and... um I think that is fascinating, the alien technology. I think that is really interesting. I think that um, the way you're talking now, you couldn't back in the 90s. And in the 90s, the Phoenix Lights, I was watching that last night, the Phoenix Lights phenomenon where the um, mayor or the governor brought in a seven-foot-tall alien in handcuffs i was watching that story last night i don't think you could talk about ufos back then but if that happened tomorrow the phoenix lights i think it'd be covered way different anyone from phoenix i do remember hearing about the phoenix lights i know people it was a massive it was a massive UFO, Jerry. They reckon it was the size of Camelback Mountain, which is a mountain in the middle of Phoenix. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I've they seen said Camelback. it was that big. That's huge. That's amazing. I haven't seen any documentary on Phoenix Lights in a while. I might have to do that after the show tonight. It seems... Am I right or wrong? In Australia, you guys have really clear skies. Is that true? Yep. Um, well, they can be cloudy one minute, 
clear the neck. Really, oh, as in seeing stars and that, we haven't got as much light pollution. I watch a bit of the ISS space station, and America's lit up like a like a floodlight yes. when you go over it. But uh, it's been coming over our house, the the thing, like 10 degrees of the horizon northwest, 46 degrees, over t- disappears at 10 degrees, and you watch it go over. It's only a little dot, but, yeah, we got good clear skies to watch that sort of stuff. Yeah, here in America, there's hardly any place you can get a good clear sky that doesn't have a lot of light pollution out, which is a shame. If you look at... If you look at uh, the ISS flying over America, the whole East Coast is lit up like a floodlight, and the West not so much. The West half of your country, it's a, it's really amazing. It's amazing the com- the concentration of people there are on the coast in the big cities. Yeah, and and how far you're going inland with this sort of not phenomenon, but um, population growth. Um, I just can't believe living in a city like New York, 30 million or something. One city has our whole population. Yeah. That is true. Well, Grant, it's time for me to... comment. Time for me to. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. All right, then, mate. Take it easy. Great show. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the conversation. Maybe we can continue and we could talk about uh, the God, uh, talking to God and the devil on a later date. Yeah, I'll have a later date. All right, then, mate. I'll let you go. All right, you have a good evening. Thanks, Jerry. You too, mate. See you, mate. That was grand, everybody. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. I enjoy talking with you. There's people that came in here late, and they're saying, what are the rumors about Idaho? We talked about them. They're at the top of the show. Um, somebody asked me about if we talked about the UFOs in uh, Alaska. We did. The UFO that was shot down, which it was defined as a UFO. Uh, we did talk about that. We're not going to do a show on Super Bowl Sunday. We're not. We'll be back on Make sure I'm telling you the truth. Tomorrow's the 12th. The 13th is Monday. We'll be back on the 13th. And um, I believe that's all I have for you guys. If you're interested in becoming a member, click the join button. It'll, it'll tell you everything you get. You'll get you'll have access to videos that are for members only. You'll have access to our Discord. If you're in the the Midnighter group, which is four ninety nine a month, or the Midnight Rider group, which is nine ninety nine a month. You have access to our Discord, uh, monthly live streams, monthly videos. Uh, some videos only put out for members, and you have access again to the Discord. Now, if you're a part of the Midnight Riders, not Rider, but Rider, you have access to a, a riding class. And for those of you that are riders, I'm working on the very last bit of your next writing video. And that'll be dropping any moment between now and tomorrow. I'm working on it. It's the reason why it took a little bit longer is because it's good. And I got some good stuff for you guys. So bear with me. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank Grant 
I'd like to thank Ashley Banfield for making this edition possible. You know, I saw someone post there on Facebook and Twitter. I think Ashley Banfield was... Was that... Hold on. Papa Roger. They're saying that Ashley Banfield was Papa Roger. Like you guys. I think Susan's starting to send... Uh, start a petition to send Ashley Banfield back to Canada. That's what I heard. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. I'll have more for you on Monday. I'm going to advertise it beforehand on Monday morning. She's not in. Oh, there's Electra. Electra. Was it Electra? No. Or Julie. We have one of our new DJs. I believe one of our new DJs is going to have her first night on Monday. So who is that? Is that Julie or Electra? I know it's not Electra. She's not ready yet. It must be Jay Coon. All right. New DJ coming on Monday for you guys to listen to. 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Our show will start. So until next time, all my best.